you have a smartphone, you can download an app. It's called Uversion. You click on more and then events, and Uversion will come up by GPS in your smartphone. We get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, everything that goes with today's message, except when we make fun of Sarah for spoilers. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Uh, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people who walk through each of the stages of our life in remembrance of who you are, reflecting on your goodness on your, and your grace, that you would lead us where we need to go and where you want us to be, and that you would gain glory by how we live as we love one another in your name. Amen. Have a seat. So this is the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, and we have this week and next week, and then we're done with the book. This is week 31. If you missed any of the messages in Ecclesiastes, you can go online and get them. You can watch them or listen. I recommend listening because I have a face for radio. Uh, Solomon has been trying to get us to understand uh, life, its meaning, the futility of life, and we become focused on ourselves and things that are just under the sun. Under the sun is a euphemism for this life. It means the totality from when you are born to when you die. It all happens to you under the sun. God himself does not speak in the book of Ecclesiastes. Only this is the preacher slash teacher does. And everything he talks about is in that realm of the created under the sun, the realm that we create. And so it's all that we devise and plot and plan and scheme for the, the bigger house, the nicer car, the obedient kids that somebody somewhere must actually have. And it's not wrong for you to want obedient kids or a nicer house or a nicer car, but if you fully focus your life upon that, your life will devolve into meaninglessness under the sun. It's what we plant in our backyards, what we write in our books and blogs. It's that which we sing, that which we build and construct. It's what we arrange and what we organize in the realm of the created from when you take your first breath to when you take your last breath. And when the writer uses that phrase, it's what exists in time, our time and that which is in the end temporary. It's the understanding of the realm of the created. It is crucial to understanding the book of Ecclesiastes. I was talking to somebody after third service last week and they said, I really appreciate this because I've never really understood a lot of the book of Ecclesiastes, but I'm getting it now. And that's so crucial to understanding what the book is about. The whole idea of under the sun versus who God is and his eternalness that he calls us into. And if we focus our lives solely on ourselves, ultimately it does become meaningless because it's temporary. We talked about that last week. Today, Solomon's going to continue to talk about getting old. Now, here's my warning. Uh, You might get offended by some of the things he says. Hope not. I hope you just find it really funny because it is really hilarious how he talks about getting old. But our culture hates getting old. More than getting old, our culture hates looking old. Like, we don't see it as beauty. We see it as another indicator of something that we can't control and we think we're wasting away. According to the American Society for Plastic Surgery, they perform 10 million cosmetic procedures every year. Almost none of them are medically necessary. Uh, There's a journalist, her name is Beth Tetel, and she wrote one of the most honest things in print. She said this, that she worries about all that plastic, not because it's unsafe for the environment or anything like that. She worries about it because it makes her look older. Like she looks her age, but everybody else is, you know, popping and punching and this and that, and they look all kinds younger than she does. And she looks her age, but nobody else her age looks her age, so she looks old for her age. She said, it drives me nuts. She wrote this book called Drinking Problems at the Fountain of Youth. (laughs) I love it, right? 
And this is, this is what she says. I know women who worked hard to get into good colleges, worked their connections to land enviable jobs, married well, produced children who could pose for Ralph Lauren ads, vacationed in the right islands with the right beach towels and the right heiresses, and yet if they have furrows or hints of upper lip lines when those around them are smoother than freshly ironed linens, what's it all worth? In a word, nothing. Because that's how people live. That's what we, we're always longing for, the temporary, please don't let me look like I'm actually aging. And whether she knows it or not, she's confronting one of the reigning idolatries of modern times, and that is the cult of youth. For people who are getting older, worshiping that God or goddess demands tons of time and, and energy and money. And many young people, they worship at that same place. They just don't realize it. Because we get to a place in our culture, rather than respecting our elders, and we look down on them and their ideas as being old-fashioned and how do people ever make it through life like that? They say the same thing about younger people, by the way. It goes, it goes back and forth in this. But we get caught up in the trendy. We think, oh, if it can't be tweeted, well, then it must be meaningless. It's like young people have no idea they're actually going to grow old and have to deal with all the choices they made when they were younger. And older people refuse sometimes to look at the choices they made when they were younger and don't deal with them even then. It's, it's terrible. There's a recent study that actually showed that some people would rather die than actually grow old. So open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is where Ecclesiastes helps us because Solomon is so honest. Solomon throughout the book will celebrate life at every stage and at every place. And there can be joy joy at every turn that we take, no matter where we are, no matter what comes to us under the sun, because our lives aren't meant to be focused on just what is under the sun. And Solomon is going to be totally honest about getting old and all the troubles that accompany it. Uh, But by the wisdom of God's Spirit, as we walk through each of these stages, we can walk with an eternal perspective that brings joy wherever we are. It can help us to live well. Whether you're young or old, we can be honest of what life is going to bring into our hands. And so he is going to speak to the young today, but with an idea of what getting old looks like. So it's really for everybody, no matter what stage you are in. So here we go. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And that's a great place where he's starting to round out the book. Like number one rule in your life you have to remember is that there is a God and it is not you. Okay, so remember you're creating the days of your youth. God made us with his hand, breathed his breath into us. He spoke, he, he loved, he redeemed, he called. And when people are young, we tend to run from the idea that God is actually over our entire life. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to deal with it. So we run. We think we're invincible from who he is. But Solomon's admonition is, remember your creator in the days of your youth. He says so many people are prone to forget who God is in the midst of their lives, especially in times when they need him the most. This could be if you're choosing a career path or a college or who you're going to marry. Our society teaches there is no absolute truth. You do whatever you want, whenever you want, think whatever you want, and no one can tell you any different. But when we live our lives that way, Solomon says they fall apart, and we wonder what went wrong. Well, Ecclesiastes said what went wrong was you listened to stupidity and foolishness and not wisdom that God was leading us into. Today, we spend gigantic amounts of money in our society on all these social services to fix adults who have shipwrecked their lives, and yet we have zero preventative measures to stop younger generations from going the same way. Our culture tends to make it worse because when you're younger, it's like, you can't tell me what to do. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry for saying anything. Yet. And we get Because it's all reactionary, so we don't want to have any preventative measures there. And if people would just... Remember your creator in the days of your youth. I doubt we need the number of police officers and therapists and counselors and AA meetings or jails because instead of trying to manage people, we could see the need to be redeemed. 
And so Solomon says, don't forget who God is. Don't forget who is eternal. And when Solomon talks about these things in the book, he typically is speaking about himself. Solomon is a guy, started following God, asked God for wisdom to rule his kingdom correctly. God gives it to him. And then what Solomon happens in his life is he notices a few women, then notices a few more, and a few more that follow different gods. And this leads to him having sex with a thousand different women and to participating in a religion that performed child sacrifices. Solomon is a guy who went from building the temple of God to destroying his life. And it is that Solomon who has gone through all of those things that says, remember your creator, don't be like me because I forgot. And you can be just like Solomon. Now, you can stop reading your Bible if you ever started. <laughs> you know, you, you can stop praying. You can stop developing a relationship with God himself. You can start to follow your own heart. Not a heart that delights in who God is, but a heart that delights in you. And in the end, you will destroy your life because it will end up being meaningless. And so what Solomon's doing is he's saying, live a God-centered life, making the God who made the universe our first and highest priority of everything that we do. And he keeps trying to show us that this is key to everything else in our lives. And he has done this throughout the course of these 11 chapters so far of this book. The reason that we are able to rejoice in any and everything that we go through in our lives, whether we're young or old, is that we see it all as a gift from our Creator that has been given to us. To remember God is to live our whole lives in Him. You remember him in every circumstance, in every place, which would include all of our plans and all the things that we would do. That would be when things go well, we remember him there. And when things are bad, we pray to him and follow him in the midst of those troubles. And when is the best time to start doing this? He says when you're young, when you're young. Not that you can't do it when you're older, right? But he says if you would start when you're young, it's going to lead to this life that's full of joy and hope and grace, a lifetime in God's service. We do not wait till we're so old that we can't really do much of anything anymore. I can't, you know, I just want to sit on the couch all day and watch the game or whatever it is. We live for Jesus now while you while we have passion and the ability to make a difference in the world around us. Remember God when you're at home or or at school or outside in his creation or indoors in the kitchen, wherever it is, we don't forget because God has never forgotten us. And so we live with that in mind of who he is and everything that we do. Again, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. He plainly says again, you're going to get old and our lives have seasons in them. It's like springtime. You're born, you're young, things are great and wonderful. You like go out, you fall off something, you knock your head on something. It's like, oh, I'll be okay. And you just start doing it again. It's not a big deal because you heal really quickly. And then this goes into summertime. That's where you're strong and you go out and you you get married and have kids because it's the prime of your life and it's so good. And then this moves into fall, which is aptly named because that's when things start to fall apart, right? It's like, it's like you do something that you do when you're a kid and it's dumb and now you do it in the fall and you're like, uh-oh, I better go home or go see a doctor. I don't know what's going to happen with that, which then leads into winter where you say, I find no pleasure in this. All the things I used to enjoy are no longer fun. This is terrible. And sometimes that ends up where you're end of your life and you're wearing a diaper or being fed, spoon-fed by somebody else. I mean, you start as a little kid that way, right? You got to, you're wearing a diaper, they're, they're feeding you food, you spew it back up, it's great. Sometimes when you get really old, the exact same things happen, it's just not as fun or nearly as cute. Solomon gives one of the most memorable poems in the Bible about getting 
old. And it is so honest, and I think it's really beautiful, all about our mortality. And it's true. He says, remember your creator. The time to remember him is before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. This is the idea when you get older, there are these troubles that come. And it always seems like the clouds and it's dark outside and going from one thing to the next. You don't know if you're going to get time to dry out. You go to the hospital because something happened. You get out and two days later you've got to go right back in. It happens over and over. The older you get, these kind of things happen. You don't get time to dry out when you're young and it's in the summertime. And Oh, I got hurt. I got out of the doctor and five months later I'm, I'm great and healed. I can do it all over again. He's trying to talk about this, that when you get older, the clouds come and come and come. Derek Kidner writes this, There are many lights that are liable then to be withdrawn besides those of the senses and faculties as, one by one, old friends are taken, familiar customs change, and long-held hopes now have to be abandoned. I know it sounds very, very depressing. So Solomon goes on. He's going to tell you why it stinks to be old. And if you're older, you can relate to many of these. Okay, verse 3. He says, In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. This is the idea of your arms and your legs. When you get older, they start shaking all the time, like you're going through a 6.5 earthquake all the time. You're trying to grab something off the shelf. You can't get that cookie because you're like, I'm going to get right? If you tag or you're a brain surgeon, it's terrible because you can't hold a straight line. And he says, and the strong men are bent. That is your posture, right? You start to get older, you start to hunch and bend forward like you're a, like you're a ski jumper all the time, no matter where you go. Old people walk hunched. Sometimes it's not pretty, uh, but it's biblical. It looks like you're always walking downhill. He says, that's what happens when you get old. And the grinders cease because they are few. The grinders are your teeth. This is what happens when you, they don't have dental hygiene back then, so you start to to lose them. Imagine what your mouth would look like if you didn't go to the dentist and all those fillings you had never got filled and your teeth ate themselves away. That's what he's talking about. Before all your teeth fell out, forcing you to gum soft foods. It's like no more steaks. I used to eat ice all the time. I love chewing ice. I don't do that anymore because I'm afraid of losing my teeth because I'm old. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I get out of bed, I'm doing my quiet time, and I'm like, what is that? And I, I, I chipped a tooth. Doing what? Sleeping. How does that even happen? I don't know. One day, I'm going to know how many licks it takes to get the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop because I will have no teeth to bite it. So it's going to happen. You know, no peanuts, no cashews, you're eating jello through a straw. Then he says, and those who look through the windows are dimmed. This, again, is about your eyesight going dim. It's like, I swear, when I read something now, I need a light on it so I can see what it is. You get a glossy piece of paper, and it's like, why does anybody print anything on glossy paper? I can't read it because it just reflects all the... It's ter- No? Okay. okay it's, it's what happens. It's, I, I swear, I, I want like an 80-inch OLED Super HD HK whatever TV, and I still can't see anything that's going on. Right? It's, uh, like I play video games with some friends. Like we'll play like Borderlands 3 or play Destiny 2 or something like that. And I swear, I'm getting shot. And I don't even know where it's coming from. I've got to get and be all, oh, there they are. Because I can't see anything. It's, I got my, my wife's like, you wearing your glasses? I'm like, yes, I'm wearing my glasses. And I still can't see. It's terrible. You start to drive with your seat all the way forward. And your nose on the windshield because you're like, what's going on? And they make you wear those crazy glasses that... that I don't do that yet, but some of you just should not be driving. That's just where I'm going with that, okay? (laughs) Verse 4, and the doors of the street are shut. That's your lips. It's like, people get older and start, it's like you got a Jolly Rancher in there you just can't get rid of. It's like, the entire, any, you know anybody else? Okay. 
Solomon is having this admonition for you. When you are young, remember your creator, because when you can look at something, look at something. If you can run somewhere, run somewhere. If you, if you have this desire in your heart, run after that thing. Hustle up. He says, and then when the, grind, when the sound of the grinding is low, that relates to your appetite, right? That, that again goes to the teeth in that idea. When you are old, your appetite gets smaller. I used to be able to eat a whole pizza by myself. Now I eat a quarter of a pizza, and I think, I'm going to pay for that cheese later. It's what happens as you get older, right? Old people, they start to eat less and less. Think about it. How do kids eat? Loud. It's like, that is so much effort and energy. What are you doing over there, right? It's biblical, right? They got the chompers. They got the, let them go. We get mad at it because we're like, I can't do that anymore. Stop being so loud. But your kids eat loud. It's, it, it's amazing. It's like, you get old, one bite of yogurt, you're done, right? And one rises up at the sound of a bird. The NIV says, when men rise up at the sound of birds, old people always get up early. Always. I, I, I don't get it, but it's happening to me. I, you know, they begin to wake up at the crack of dawn with the birds as they're running around. Seriously, I don't know why. They got nothing to do all day, right? But they're up then. I am up when the sun gets up for no apparent stupid reason. And my wife is like, why are you awake? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm old. That's why I'm awake. And all the daughters of song are brought low. That is talking about your hearing. You're no longer able to hear like you used to hear, like you're up with the birds, but you can't hear them sing. In our vernacular, we would say, you can no longer enjoy your Dolby Atmos 7.1 surround sound speakers. You go to the movies, and you're like, what are they even saying? I can't hear, I, don't, I can't make out dialogue. It's like, why don't movies come with subtitles all the time? So I know what they're saying up there. You sit in a room with a bunch of people around you, you're trying to have a conversation with one person, and there's all this noise, and you can't hear the person right in front of you talking to you. Anybody? <clears throat> you're old. That's what's happening to you. I mean, why go to a great concert? You can't hear it half the time. My, my wife and I, uh, we were in Colorado earlier this year, and went and saw this band called Breaking Benjamin. And I, I went and I took my earplugs. Stuck my earplugs in my ears because I hate going to bed going, Right? So I just, my wife saw, you should pull him out. I'll go, I can hear just fine. I'm okay, right? Old. All right. And then he says, they are afraid also of what is high. Uh, the NIV says, when men are afraid of heights, you get to a point where you no longer want to climb a ladder or climb on a roof or do something in, in a tree for fear of falling. Your equilibrium's no longer as good as it used to be, right? You just, whoop, and you go over. When you're a kid, it's like, I'm going to climb that tree. I'm going to climb that ladder. I'm going to climb up the side of that building. What if you fall? I'll get up. It's what kids do, right? You just, boom, you get up, you're okay, and you move on to the next thing. That's what you do. I mean, this is the idea that when you get older, it's like, oh, I may fall down and break, the, break a lengthy list of brittle bones. Because you know, I'm in the hospital for, I don't know, I don't know how long, right? Like, I almost fell down. I better go home. And he says, and the terrors are in the way. The NIV says, and the dangers in the streets. When you get older, you get afraid of so many things around. You don't want to go out at night. There's a song in the 80s called The Freaks Come Out at Night. What, what, what? The Freaks Anyways, there's a song, you don't care, but you're too scared to go out, or you do go out, and you drive in traffic, and you drive 20 miles an hour right in front of me with your nose on the windshield and your crazy glasses. That's what happens when you get old. That's what he's saying. You're afraid to go out. I mean, when I was a kid, I would do the craziest thing because I had had no fear at all. Uh, There were these guys who lived down the street. They were a bunch of drug dealers, and they rode dirt bikes around. My mom was like, don't go down to their house. I'm like, Okay, and I would go in and hang out at their house. It was so great. I'd ride on the handlebars as they went off jumps. I'm like, woo, what if I fall off? I will get back up. You know, that's what you do. You have no fear. You get old, and it's like, whew, I almost tripped over a kid. I better go home. <laughs> that's what happens when you get old. 
This is my favorite, right? And the almond tree blossoms. This is when your hair turns pasty white if you have any hair left at all, right? It's, it's, it starts, like, your hair stops growing so much out of your head, and it starts exploding out of your ears and your nose like you snorted an albino cat. It's crazy when you get older. Like, you know, like you, like you drive behind a car of old people, and it looks like a box of Q-tips. Solomon says, that's going to be you and your friends. That's gonna, he would drive around the chariot, him and his buddies, woo, Q-tips, right? That's what you're going to look like, you and your buddies one day. And he says, and the grasshopper drags itself along. It's the idea that when you get older, your legs get a little bit weaker, and you walk with a cane or a walker or something like that, probably because you didn't wear knees or, or knee pads or helmets when you were a 16-year-old pothead. And he says this, and desire fails. The NIV says it like this, and desire is no longer stu- stirred. And that means exactly what you think it means. It really does. <laughs> Not to be crass. But it's like your sex drive runs out of gas and it leaves you stranded. Solomon is a guy, 700 wives, 300 concubines, can't do anything about it. Like when, when guys get old, they, they do this like a, that's never happened to me before. Oops, right? Sorry, it can be disturbing, right? Young guys, they're always in the mood. Like your young guys' wives are like, man, get your hands off me. No one's got your hands on me. He's like, I know, I can't control it. And then when you get older, you know, the guy's sex drive goes down, the girls go up, and it's like, get your hands on me. He's like, I'd like to, but I can't do anything about it, right? Because desire is no longer, he's, he's like a dog that chases a fire truck. He's caught the fire truck and now doesn't know what to do with it, right? He doesn't know what to do there. Wait, guys, when you get married and you're young, chase your wife around. Ladies, slow down, okay? Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. This is the idea that you die, and your friends come and shed tears at your funeral, and you all think back to this message that Aaron gave you out of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. (laughs) Remember your creator. Bono from U2 wrote this. Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books. It's a book about a character who wants to find out why he's alive, why he was created. He tries knowledge. He tries wealth. He tries experience. He tries everything. You hurry to the end of the book to find out why, and it says, remember your creator. In a way, it's a letdown, yet it isn't. Because it's not a letdown. It's a beautiful truth. We get so busy in our lives doing all the things we think we are going to do under the sun that we forget who God is. And Solomon admonishes, remember, and he's going to go to a bunch of euphemisms for death. Remember, before the silver cord is snapped, before you fall off something and break your back and you die, before the golden bowl is broken, before you fall and you can't get your hands out of your pockets fast enough anymore, so you smack your noggin and you die, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, before you eat so much terrible food for you that your heart gives you a resignation letter like that, Stupid commercial, and you have a heart attack and you die, or the will, uh, or the will broken at the cistern before your arteries clog up, and you die, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it before your bodies turn to mulch for plants as you get buried in the ground, and your soul returns to God who gave it to you because God made us with His hands and He breathed His life into us, and He is the judge of all of our days on the earth. Remember your. Creator, Verse 8 of chapter 12, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. The NIV says meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. And that word there for meaningless or or vanity, it's the word for vapor. It's not that it's technically meaningless. It's this idea that a vapor is not that it's uh, life is without meaning or can have meaning. It's that life under the sun is short. It's like a vapor. It's like that. That's what your life is like in the course of the eons of time that come around you. It's a vapor that passes in the wind. It's like when you wake up on a cold morning and you exhale out of your mouth and 
and it disappears. That's what he's talking about. And I think God's spirit is trying to encourage us here that there are times and places in our lives where we face some very hard things that aging brings about. And I think the Bible is honest about that, and it's telling us that if we look beyond what is just under the sun, there can be such hope and grace in what God is doing. The scriptures speak about death, and they're not bitter about death, but it's very honest. I think God's spirit inspires Solomon in these words, that throughout the scriptures you will see how God infuses his people, no matter what stage of life they are, with dignity. In Psalm 116, verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And while that is true, it's not only the death of his saints that's precious to him. We are precious to God every moment of every life stage, no matter where we are. We have this admonition, remember our creator. Why? Because God has never forgotten us. He has never forgotten us. Charles Bridges once said this, Many have remembered too late, none too soon. None too soon. Remember God and life that we have fallen away. We've run from relationship with him and our creator made us and he can remake us. And all the places we have stumbled and fell, our God can come to us in those places and restore us. There's this beautiful word in the scriptures and it's called repentance. And I know it sounds like an angry word because a lot of preachers use it very angrily. But repentance means to return, to come home to who God is calling you to be. This is remembering your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your old age. Remember your creator, because again, he has never forgotten you. You may feel like in your life that you are far from God because of some of the decisions you have made in your life, but God is close to you because he loves you and he's drawing you to himself. Remember that in Christ, God never forgets any of us. And the beauty of the gospel is that our creator remembers us even when we fail to remember him. And when we trust Jesus, the security of our salvation does not depend on our remembrance of God, but on his promise to remember us. Uh, Jesus says this in John 6, 39 and 40. All this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus promises to remember us, not just all of our days, but all of days, every day. We are a people who are called to be encouraged because of these words of promise that God has spoken that come to fruition in what we call the gospel. God's good news of his rescue of who we are. The book of Psalms speaks of people who remember the creator in their lives in a way that brings joy. The psalm writer compares people to a tree that's growing in the house of God. In Psalm 92, verse 14, it says this, They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. And I love that picture because I one day hope to be old and full of sap. Not sappy, but full of sap, where I'm alive by the power of God's Spirit in me, even though I am outwardly wasting away, as the Apostle Paul says, inwardly I am renewed day by day. We are a people with a living hope of a great God who remembers us and restores us and rescues us no matter which stage of life we find ourselves in. This is the good news of God's rescue. That no matter where you are, maybe you, you might be in spring, you might be in summer, you might be in fall, you might be in winter. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in those stages, God has not forgotten you. How do we know? It's why I take you to communion every week as a reminder of who God is and what he did. This is a place to remember what God did. It's why you break a cracker like Christ's body was broken for us. And you dip it in the wine of the grape juice. That reminds us of his blood that was shed for you and me because our God never once has forgotten his people. He has never once forgotten his promise to rescue us. And at the place of communion is a place where we can lay down all the burdens we have had 
and remember who God is in that moment, a God of rescue and of hope and restoration because Jesus died to take away what separated us from God and us from one another, and he rose from the grave to restore us to new life again so we can be a people who live every life stage in remembrance of him because he is good. The band's going to come up. As they do, I'm going to invite you to take communion. Like I said, there's going to be some deacons in the back. And if you need prayer, maybe you're in a place today where there's some very rough things going on in your life and you feel like you are constantly forgetting who God is in the midst of whatever you're going through. And you would like someone to pray with you to help you start to remember who God is and where you are in the place that you are today. They would love to pray with you about that. I mean, I don't know what's going on in a lot of people's lives. I don't know what's going on in my life half the time until God's like, this is what's going on. I'm like, oh, okay. Wherever you are, no matter what we do, we are called to remember who God is and all of those things. And one of the ways we do that is with one another. Uh, and this is why we encourage you guys, if you need prayer, to, to pray with them. There's offering boxes next to every door we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is simply part of our worship. We don't pass a plate. It's always meant to be a response to what God has done. And then we invite you to grab some snacks outside, take some, some sermon notes, and then talk with one another this week and reflect upon what we talked about today. What are the times when you are most prone to forget who God is? Is it in good times or is it in bad times or is it all the time? You know, what are those places? And how can we then step alongside one another and encourage one another to remember who God is and what he has done, no matter what silly thing kind of comes our way in our life, that we would trust God for his goodness and his grace because he is good and he is the God who has come to rescue and save us. So let's be a people who live in that great rescue, honoring him no matter where we find ourselves in life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that you would teach us to be a people who remember your grace in all that we do. Father, have us be a people who remember that you have never once forgotten us in all the times that we live our lives and and forget you in the midst of either joy or struggle or whatever it is, that you have not once forgotten us. And as we begin to live out lives with remembrance of you, I ask that the good news of your rescue of the gospel would be central in all that we do. Because it's going to humble us. And it's going to make us more and more thankful every single day that you have remembered us and come to rescue us and bring us back in relationship with you again. So Father, teach us to come to you as we are as you grow us and change us and restore us and renew us, that we would repent and return to who you were calling us to be and that we would then live out lives of great love and hope and grace that all first come from you. Teach us to be a people who simply remember you and all that we do because you have first remembered us. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen.